on the official home of the Canucks. Tiki Pete comes out of the box and puts the puck into the back of the net. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Vic and the Boss here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Seattle Kraken got a full roster now. 29 picks that we know of. Uh, still TBD on Detroit. I haven't seen anything come in just yet. And uh, we'll see what other side deals they uh, managed to perform. You know, one of the interesting elements of uh, what happened today, CMAC, is you know a lot of people are looking at their team and saying, hey, I, I didn't pick this guy. I was taking them, you know, for, for Vlad Tarasenko, and I wanted this D-man from this team, and they ended up taking a AHL-type forward. Well, you know, one thing that stood out now that they drafted and signed Alexiak and, and Larson, like, those are two players that nobody really had mocked or intended to them. So I, I think that's kind of a omitted narrative as far as the reaction to their team. Yeah, it's missing James Van Riemsdyk and Vladimir Tarasenko, but they, they, they had a plan with this, and getting guys like Larson and Alexiak as UFAs is a big part of their their uh, expansion draft. And setting yourself up with a solid back end, never a bad idea. Mm-hmm. To, you know, they're not offensive-minded defensemen, but to shutdown type guys who paired with the the an offensive minded blue liner could really work out well and and we saw in the NHL playoffs Bick um and Ron Francis has a history too of of liking defensemen but we we saw in the playoffs this year those final four teams those big mobile defense tough to play against you had to have about three of them or at least two and and a super stud you know offensive-minded guy and that was really the key to a lot of the success of those teams that got that far was their back end and how good they were how tough they were to play against and so Ron Francis looks at this and goes I get these two big defensemen who can be you, you know, can call them difficult all right yeah I I and and hey you know how much I I think size matters it, it's it's not a bad idea as a starting block yeah you're not going to fill the the back of the net with a bunch of pucks from these guys, but they might knock a few teeth out uh, at the other end of the ice. Bick Nazar and Craig McEwen here on Bick and the Boss. Uh, we talk to them uh, every Wednesday here on Bick and the Boss. It is longtime NHLer and former Vancouver Canuck Dixon Ward. Uh, Dixon, now that we know what the uh, the teams look like, uh, what was your first impression of, of what we've seen from the Seattle Kraken and uh, some big signings as well by them today as well? Well, um, not surprising. I, I, I would have been surprised if they would have taken some of the bigger names that were on the board uh, just simply because of the contract situation. And they, I think they, they did a, <clears throat> a roundabout way of putting together a competitive group to start, and we're still in July here, so this isn't going to be the group by the end of it. But um, a, good, a good number of these guys are corporate good players in the national hockey league with some quality leadership and some young guys and, and guys that are affordable. So I think that they did pretty much what I expected them to do. And, and they'll uh, add some pieces as we go over the next uh, couple of months. Yeah. And it's going to be the side deals that really are going to 
tell the tale with them because some of the players that they selected, you're like, why were they taking that player? Well, there's obviously something in the in the hopper. How much do you think they learn from Vegas, Ron Francis and company, and Dixon? How much do you think it's different this time around because the rest of the NHL also learned from Vegas? Well, I'm sure they learned a lot. I'm sure they studied the process and also went in with their eyes open, knowing that it wasn't going to be as easy this time around because other teams were prepared uh, farther in advance and knowing what they went through the last time. But, you know, we can say what Vegas did, uh, but you have to, you have to remember that when Vegas had their picks, nobody, nobody thought they were going to the Stanley Cup final. They had a lot of guys overachieve. They come together quickly as a team. So, um, you can look down this list of guys and there's some guys that have scored a lot of goals in this league that are on that list. And, uh, there's guys, uh, that have, that have been great defensemen in this league. And there's, there's a lot of great depth guys. So how they come together at the end of it will be the true determining factor on how the draft turned out. So we, you know, uh, we can all beat this to death and wonder why they did this or wonder why they did that. But, we have to remember these guys have been working for two years. The pro scouts have been have been scouring uh, these players and and researching these players and watching these players for a long time. And and they had I'm sure they had a whole bunch of different scenarios on the board as leading up to the draft. And uh, and there's a lot that goes into it and the money and the term and the age and the type of player and and those type of things that they had to they had to take into account on every pick. So uh, I look down the list. I see a you know, a fairly solid team with some room for improvement. This is a bit of a loaded question because it's, it's kind of in, in your vision of how to build a hockey team. But if you were to approach it this way and in, in building out this team, uh, would you have taken advantage of some of the more star power? Uh, or is that just a reflection of, hey, you, you want to push the tempo? Because it feels like they did this rather deliberately to corner a market of the D-man and maybe take advantage of that with, with side trades after that. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done it any different, to be honest with you. Um, you're taking a big risk of taking on a big contract, um, or signing Landeskog, or taking on a, and that would cost you nine plus million. If you take on Tarasenko, that costs you a boatload. Um, not knowing at all if if it's worth it at the time because you don't have your group to know where these guys fit. That's the problem. Stars are stars because they fit well within their group. Um, as we've seen, the environment you're in can create stars. That's what happened with Vegas, with uh, Jonathan Marchessault and and William Carlson and Shea Theodore. These guys weren't stars before they came, um, and they blossomed into stars. So um, in Seattle's case, they're hoping some of these guys can can take a new step with a new opportunity, with more opportunity, with more responsibility. You're going to see some guys that people didn't expect to do well do really well, and that's that's part of what they, you know, you got to hope for. And that's why you do your research on these guys and you have a look and say, okay, uh, what are some of these guys, what's their potential? Um, and can we bring that potential out in this new environment? And, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And, and Dixon, you know, you look at the signings that the Kraken have made in Alexiak and Larson, two bigger defensive defensemen. And you said you would kind of do the same idea is that a real important piece to, to fit in knowing that, you know, the Canucks are looking for that type of player. Edmonton now is looking for that type of player with Larson leaving that those bigger, 
more mobile, tougher defensemen are, are the ones that you should maybe build around, especially on the back end? There's, there's no question. I mean, you, we talked about this before. You look at the teams that made it to the to the Final Four in the NHL, uh, they had a steady diet of those guys. Shift in and shift out. You know, everybody talked about Montreal's uh, top four and, and, and the heaviness that they brought to the game. And uh, Tampa Bay sure had those guys and, and Hedman and Savard and, and the likes of those guys. And um, so the fact is that those guys are very valuable. Uh, guys that can move, guys that can move pucks, but can also play a heavy game down low because the game's won and lost on the wall and uh, and winning those puck battles. And, and if you can uh, win puck battles with heavy defense when I get pucks moving uh, transitionally out of the zone, that's the game now. Um, you always interject at the highly skilled, smaller, great skating guys, but they're they're not the guys that you lead the charge for you anymore. The, the, the guys that lead the charge are the, the steady, two-way, consistent, tougher defensemen, and that's what uh, Ronnie Francis and his crew you know, they sort of uh, focused on that, and they got it done, and they and they got it well. The, the Larson one was a surprise for everybody, I think, um, and that was a good get for them, and, and a good money too. Uh, they didn't have to spend seven million a year to get them. Yeah, you surprised at that just because it was four by four, and it, it feels like that's kind of a competitive offer. If you're Edmonton, how did you not best that? And and you know. When you're in a situation like that as a player and you just want to get out of a city, are, are you willing to do just about anything to get out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't know We don't know the thoughts of, in Larson's head, but um, Edmonton certainly would have matched that deal and probably extended it with longer term um, uh, because it's hard, like we I've talked about this with you guys before, It's for Edmonton, it's hard to get those guys to come there as free agents. It just is for a multitude of reasons. Um, um, so that's, that's uh, you know, for Larson, he's like, okay, well, got a chance to, to live in Seattle and, and uh, play in an American market and, and not be in minus 50 every day. And, and who knows what the culture in the locker room was with for him. Obviously, he didn't love it there. He would have stayed there. So there's, there's probably a multitude of reasons that he left. Uh, and, and it doesn't seem like it was money. Um, and so uh, that's something that the Oilers are going to have to, you know, be a little introspective about and say, okay, well, why would that happen? And uh, and try to, you know, uh, plug those leaks that, that they keep losing good players like that because they're tough to replace. And so uh, I don't know if we'll ever know why, but uh, the fact is that Seattle made a good signing there, and, and they probably targeted him early and, and thought there was a chance he'd like to leave, and um, and they got him. Uh, ex-Canuck Dixon Ward joining us here on Bick and the Boss. Uh, Dixon, I know you know Dave Haxtell, um, and now that he sees the clay or the, the stuff he gets to work with, how excited do you believe he is, and, and how much say do you think he had? I know he hasn't been there long, but with Ron Francis and trying to build this out. Well, I don't know if say is the right word. He certainly had, would have had an opinion. He would have been a, uh, one of the voices around the table. Um, and if there's certain players that, that he knows better than others, they would have leaned on him for inside information on that player. Um, um, and I don't know if there's any players on there other than, well, he didn't even, he didn't even, uh, know the Toronto pick. He never played in Toronto. Um, so that's the, 
<clears throat> that's the interesting part, but I'm not surprised that they have some really strong big defensemen because that's who, that's who Dave Haxtell was as a player. I know he appreciates those guys uh, a lot, um, and uh, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that uh, that they they started that way because um, he would have had a voice in that as well. So, I mean, their decor is better than half the leagues right now, if you ask me, and 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 that's going to be interesting to, to see how that unfolds. Well, the joke already is, we're getting to our text message inbox, their decor is already better than Vancouver's. Do you think that's fair to suggest? Um, sure. Now, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's missing the high no, end I, of, like, I, a Queen I, Hughes, I argue, but... I can't, argue with you. I can't argue with you if you look at Giordano and Larson and and uh, some of the guys, and, and the other guy they signed, um, which I can't pronounce his name, but I know he's a good player. Um, so, uh, Oleksiak. Uh, they got some good, good starting guys there and good leadership there. I mean, Giordano's got to walk in there and put the C on right away. Uh, I, I can't see anybody else uh, that was as, would be as obvious captain to start their franchise as Mark Giordano. He's been a wonderful captain for Calgary for many years, and um, he's your guy. So um, from from him down, he's played the game the right way for many years, um, and so. If they can interject a couple younger D-men into that roster to learn from those guys, um, that's a great uh, plan for them moving forward. No question. They just gotta they gotta find the guys that can put the puck in the net consistently. Um, and uh, time will tell if they have them already or if they have to go get them. You talk about leadership uh, and in building any team. I mean, it's important, but in this case, uh, when it's a bunch of um, players coming from all over the league, never played together again. And I believe that was one of the things that helped galvanize Vegas. They they all kind of had a chip on their shoulder. But the leadership, how important is that, Dixon, when, when you're making a team to begin with, but especially when you're starting something from complete scratch in this scenario? It's absolutely essential. And, and leadership starts with the organization at the very top, through the staff. Uh, but then when you get into the players, it's absolutely essential uh, in this situation because you have to immediately build a culture, uh, a really strong identity and a strong, positive culture. And uh, because none of these guys uh, played together uh, as of late, um, they're all in the same situation together. So uh, the guys like Mark Giordano and Jordan Everly and these guys that have been around the league a long time, it'll be essential for those guys uh, to create a culture in that room um, that defines the Seattle Kraken. Um, and that's the, the one thing that Vegas did better than any other expansion team, whether they won or lost. They, they created a culture, starting with uh, George McPhee and Gerard Gallant and, and the guys that they brought in there, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. They created a culture immediately. They played hard. They, they, they played physical. They played fast immediately. Um, now Seattle's got to, got to build that identity right away. There's too many teams in the past and expansion that, that every year they changed their culture, tried to change their culture and they floundered and floundered and floundered Florida and, uh, and teams like that. And Atlanta never found their way through it. Um, that was their mistake. These guys got to get these, these veteran guys to, to start that process with them. And then every player from now on that plays for the Seattle crack and walks into a culture that they have to fit into or they can't play there. And that's, that's the way to build a long standing solid organization. 
Do you feel like that's why uh, Dave Haxtell might have been a great selection here? Because you think of a college coach, you're kind of starting anew every four years with new guys coming in, graduating, and, and you're constantly changing your, 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 you know, the people that are absorbing your message and having to start from scratch all the time. Here's, this, here's an expansion team, and he, you know, here's a coach that would have experience of you know, starting from zero every single time. You think that type of messaging might be different coming from a coach like Dave? Well, there's no question. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm quite biased toward Dave. Him and I grew up together. He's one of my closest friends. But knowing knowing what he's done as a coach, um, even starting back when he started in the USHL um, and and building championship teams, it's all about the culture and the respect and the integrity and the honesty and the work that he puts in that creates that culture. He did it in North Dakota and made them uh, the strongest culturally sound uh, NCAA program in the country for many years. And that started with him um, and his approach. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm a true believer that, that he's got the ability um, with the guys that they put together there in Seattle to do the same thing. Now, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to go to the Stanley Cup final? Who knows? Um, but I can tell you, over the course of the next three, four, five years, they are going to be a very, very solid organization from what I see in the leadership from, from Ron Francis down. Uh, before we let you go, I did want to ask you this. Because, uh, okay, we did talk about the, the heavy contracts and whatnot, and, and some guys like Tarasenko, uh, James N. Reemsdyke, yeah, there's some scorers, but they're not quite super duper stars. Carey Price is one. Uh, would you have selected Carey Price? Uh, well, I had thought about that. Um, if I was, if I was in the hockey operations department, probably not, um, simply because of the contract and it handcuffs you. And uh, if all things being equal, now I knew for a fact he wasn't going to get selected. There was, there was, uh, something else going on behind the scenes. And I'm sure we'll figure that out. Even Kerry's wife alluded to that uh, on social media. So, um, I don't think there was any risk of Kerry Price going there. But if you're the owner, you're thinking about marketing, you're thinking about throwing a Price name on a Seattle Kraken jersey and, and using him as the face of your franchise to sell merchandise and all those, sure, the, the, the corporate salespeople would have loved that. But if you're in hockey operations, it, it was probably the right idea not to. There was good goalies available um, that they that they selected, and they did a great job. I think there's the Cord Kid is a great young goaltender, Um you know, the Drieger kid out of uh, Florida has proven to be a really, really solid goaltender. So I think they've done a good job there. And, you know, the reason you select Kerry Price is for marketing purposes at this point. And don't get me wrong, I think he's one of the best goalies in the world at this point. But for this franchise where it is right now, it, it may not have been the right fit. He is uh, Dixon Ward, longtime NHLer and former Vancouver Canuck, joins us here weekly on Bick and the Boss. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you after the draft uh, before well, free agency. Okay, sounds good, guys. That's uh, Dixon Ward joining us here on Bick and the Boss. Uh, some interesting thoughts uh, as, as far as you know, building out from the decor and you know, following the trend of what Seattle obviously did, but they, they followed the same trend of uh, Vegas as well. Uh, you know, gobbling up uh, a particular set of assets, and you know what's interesting, CMac is as Dixon alluded to, it's not about what this roster looks like today. It's about, hey, let's check back in in, in a month's time 
after free agency, after some trades by Seattle, and then let's see what this roster looks like because there could be a lot of changeover between now and a month's time. Yeah, and, and the other thing that really struck a chord with me, Vic, was the identity and culture and building that out from the ground up. And it isn't easy, especially when you're starting from scratch. You, you, you try your best to have your vision. You, you know, put it in place. You, you, you want people to, to act the right way, to play the right way, all that sort of stuff. But if you can keep your eye on, on the ball and, and, you know, keep your vision and have that as your North star and, and working through it, no matter what you go through, no matter, you know, how bad it is or how good it is, you, you kind of keep that even keel and, and stay the same way. And, you know, dare I say what I said, when we started the station, say humble and hungry, that is so important for any organization, whether you're in pro sports or in business or, or, or anywhere. And that's what you'd like to see. And, and the character guys of a Ron Frack from Ronnie Francis or, or a Hackstall, like they're going to do that from the get go and keep that in mind as they move forward day in and day out. Especially for, you know, for, for a brand new team, right? Uh, obviously we talk about identity and culture is, is so important in general, but you want to start off, fresh and you want to start off strong i do look at a team like the buffalo sabers it just goes so wrong so often all the time and it's so hard to understand hey where your faults are how 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 often do you self-evaluate how how self-aware are you as an as an organization and then you know figuring out where your pitfalls are getting those out of the organization and then climbing back out this is a franchise that gets you know, comes in zero on grand ground zero. Guests to pick and choose their spots as they go along, and so far, you would say, "Hey, they've been doing all the right things." Now we haven't had games to evaluate and see how moods change after losses and all this sort of stuff. But not making missteps to this point very key for Seattle. Uh, and I think one of the other benefits of the way they construct the roster is there can be a lot of turnover easily, very quickly, uh, because they're not necessarily committed to a lot of these guys long term. And, and you're going to be able to find out what sticks really fast. Yeah. And trial and error. Uh I, I I do believe, and I know I got ripped in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. It was a terrible you get take. Ripped never. Never. But I got ripped for the fact that I said there wasn't a ton of pressure them early on to to be the best. And and what I mean by that is that when something new happens and it, and it's kind of the hip place to go or the 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 place to be seen or let's go see what this hockey team is all about, it buys you a little time. It doesn't buy you a lot. It's not like a ten year you know grace period. It might be a year or two, but they can test and tinker and try things. And that's where with them being smart, smart with their money and not taking on those bigger salaries, it also gives them the flexibility to fix things in the image that they've created and the identity that they want to build. I used the term earlier, like entry point. They are, they are running a race that 31 other teams are already ahead of them. So no one's expecting them to win the race here right now. Yeah, you come in and, and, and you try to accelerate your plan as fast as you can. But make no mistake, they're going to start game one, and they are already behind 31 other NHL teams just because they've had time to build out their rosters. They had the time to draft the Eichels and the McDavid's and the McKinnons and the Pedersons and the Hughes of the world. They're just starting out on that. And entry point, like you can't judge 
their success is based on just what happens in year one. If they have success, great. That's all found money in a free roll for them. But entry point really matters in this scenario because you have to understand of, of how to establish yourself as an organization. And, and that, to me, is their goal more so than anything else. It's not just about getting two points in game one. It's how quickly can we accelerate our development from becoming an expansion team to becoming a real NHL team that we just say 32 teams in the NHL rather than 31 plus the expansion team. That That's their goal is accelerate the process to become a full-blown regular NHL team. Uh, Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen here. We'll go to break. Uh, we'll talk to Michael Dick, Vancouver Giants head coach, but also uh, once again named to the World Junior Canada head uh, assistant coach uh, staff today. Uh, reclaiming his position there. We'll talk to Michael Dick in just a couple of seconds here on Bick and the Boss, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet, 650. You're listening to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to Bick and the Boss here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Hours away from the expansion draft official unveiling. Uh, a couple of days away from the NHL draft. NHL draft coverage on Sportsnet 650 brought to you by Connect Hearing. Take control of your hearing health and book your free hearing test at connecthearing.ca today. Uh, a couple of uh, notes here, CMAC, as we gear up for uh, the expansion draft. A lot of people concerned about uh, you know the intrigue being stolen away. Uh, Cap Friendly putting out a tweet. Uh, Seattle permitted to, to make trades during the expansion draft trade freeze. Those will be announced tonight. So all these side deals that we were wondering about, uh, we'll find out about them tonight. So it's not just about the picks that they made. It is about uh, everything else as well. They had to keep something secret. Didn't yeah. they? You know, they, they, all these other names and that have leaked out. So, yeah, now you're right. You, you've got me. You've hooked me. I'm I'm dumping the family channel. I'm I'm gonna watch this instead. We got an earlier uh, question over under or or sorry, wh- what was the total on Kraken side deals today? What do you want to set it at? Oof. I'll say four and a half. Yeah, I was gonna go getting... five. I, okay, I so, was gonna say five. So if I set it to four and a half, you're gonna go over. Yep. Um, I'm going over. Yeah, actually, that might even be be low. Um, maybe I set it to five and a half or six and a half. <laughs> I don't know. It. Uh, I, I. I came into this thinking we wouldn't see very many, and then you look at the roster and you're thinking, all right, we we as Jim Benning would like to say, we we don't have all the information. Yeah. And uh, it 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 feel it feels like uh, it, it could be a a long affair with intrigue. Excitement yeah. and and those side deals, finding that out, that would be great. I, I would love it for it to be like the NBA draft where they bring a player in, give him the hat. You're like, welcome to the Kraken. And, and then the reporter puts, yeah, <laughs> reporter puts a, a mic in his. Are you aware you're being traded to New York? That would be good. Again, yeah. the theater of it all. You More think intrigue. Of, you think of what leaked yesterday, Kevin Weeks. You know, th- there's been some. Uh, theatrics, some thought put into how to promote and and push this, but yeah, that would be. Uh, here's your hat. No, you're gone. You're 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 being moved. 
be too cold-blooded that way. Uh, it's Bick and the Boss. Let's get to Michael Dick, who's joins us now, the head coach of uh, the Vancouver Giants, but also, once again, named to Team Canada, the World Junior uh, staff. Uh, Michael, first of all, congratulations. And uh, second of all, uh, how's the summer going? Summer's going well. It's uh, It's been a short one. I mean, it's been a busy, uh, a busy winter and a busy spring, but... Uh, Nonetheless, really enjoying the beautiful weather out here, and and thank you. Yeah, pretty exciting. Really looking forward to it. Now the Giants didn't lose anyone in the expansion draft, did they, Michael? Today? <laughs> Not that I know of yet. No. We'll be what are your thoughts? Closely. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on this whole process? The the theatrics around it, building a team from scratch, and and we're going to talk more about you know your incredible international career that you've been having recently, but just as a hockey guy and, and seeing this sitting back and, and just watching the sideshow, what are your opinions and thoughts on you know, this whole idea of building the Seattle Kraken? Well, I, I don't know if I've ever been more interested uh, about an expansion draft than I have uh, going into tonight. In fact, it's probably the first time I'd, I'd actually tune in and watch it. I, I think in terms of a hockey, from a hockey mentality, I, I, I can't think of anything more exciting than, uh, and what Seattle's doing right now and, and building a team and, and an identity and, and uh, creating a lot of excitement in that city. So it's, uh, I, I think it's exciting and, and obviously going to be really interested to see what happens. Do you see similarities between, you know, major junior and, you know, starting from scratch with this, with this type of uh, organization where, you know, there is some turnover when it comes to you doing your job, players graduate, players go on to other levels of hockey. Do you see the similarities and, and the challenges for, for Dave Haxtell and that coaching staff to building this out to, to how you do yours? I, I think in some ways, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, when we, you know, obviously Barkley's far more in tune with what's going on uh, in, our, in our Bantam draft and and certainly in, in building our, our – uh, our list, but uh, in terms of building our roster and making trades and, and acquisitions, uh, you know, you, you certainly form an identity. You, you, you have a, a culture that you you want to uh, you want to maintain. You build and maintain, and then and then really the other thing we're doing is developing talent. So you take a look at see what uh, what's available and and, and what's going to work within within the uh, the confines of your hockey team. So there certainly is some some uh, you know similarities to what what they're doing, but I mean they're starting from scratch. We we have a, a you know a base to build from, but starting from scratch, it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, in three years behind the Giants bench, your, your 92, 49, 11 had some tremendous success. Uh, how tough, you talk about developing talent, how tough was this past year in developing talent? I mean, it was great that you got some action in the bubble, but it must have been extremely uh, challenging, let's say, for the organization, yourself, and, and the players just to just to keep going and, and to you know do everything in, in a situation that no one's ever seen before. Well, I, I think the, the the development of talent wasn't wasn't a difficult thing. I, you know, obviously, you know, having ha- having a group that we had, and and obviously, there's really no distractions in the sense we're together in that hotel for 62 days. We we went from the hotel to the to the rink. We had we had ample time to to be on the ice together. Although we probably played far more than we practiced. Um, you know, work out. There was a lot of time spent together. I, I think our biggest challenge was keeping the guys engaged. 
Um, you know, especially when you don't have a playoff. Uh, so, you know, I, it was a, it was, it was obviously a, you know, a, a, a huge bonus to play considering the UHL never got an opportunity to play. So for us to play, we were, we were really appreciative of, of, of having that opportunity, but, uh, it's it's easier said than done after you know 40 days when you you're you're really in a hotel and and a rink it it was really hard to keep the guys engaged after after 40 days or so so i think that was our biggest challenge as as we wound it down but uh you know the the talent the developing the talent it's you know it's it's critical to what we do uh we bring in 14 15 year olds and we have them until they're 20 and and really what we know they're talented kids coming in and it's it's one thing to 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 make a player good. It's another one to take a good player and make him great. Michael Dick joining us, uh, Vancouver Giants head coach, and uh, once again named to the uh, Canada's national junior team staff uh, as an assistant. It, it's been a busy uh, international time for you, uh, doing the World Championships and and now this. Uh, get to uh, kind of spread your wings a little bit uh, doing the international uh, part of this. Uh, what's exciting about it to you? Well, I, I think the biggest thing that's, that's exciting for me is, is the people you get to work with. Um, you know, the, the world junior opportunity last year was, was a phenomenal opportunity in a sense. You, you're working with the best players in Canada, the young, best young players in Canada. And, and not only are you doing that and working with, with, with some, some elite staff from guys like Andre Turnier, Mitch Love, uh, Jason LaBarbera. I mean, and then the, the Hockey Canada staff, the, the management group, Al Miller, Scott Salmon. I mean, it, it was a really, really good good opportunity for me to learn, um, to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And, and obviously, you know, that's what good people do. They make other people around them better. And I think, you know, we did that at the, the World Championships, getting to work with Gerard Gallant, getting to work with that that pro group of players and, and the management group and Roberto Luongo and Shane Doan, it, uh, you do nothing but learn. You, uh, you certainly have a lot of fun doing it. And, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to working with Dave Cameron and, and the coaching staff uh, moving forward here. Yeah. And how much pride and how much do you enjoy representing your country? I know we always talk about the players putting the, the Canadian logo on their, their chest when they get to get out of their eyes, but as a coach, to, that ability to be a part of a, a team Canada, whether it's at the junior level or at the Worlds? Well, I mean, as a, as a younger kid and, and obviously growing, growing into this opportunity, that's what you do. You, you know, on Christmas time, you, you turn on the TV and you watch the World Juniors and you, uh, you're so excited, excited to watch Canada play or you're so excited to be a part of it, um, you know, as a, as a Canadian and as a, as a hockey fan. Whether whether it's the Olympics or the World Juniors or the or the Men's Worlds, uh, you know it's 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 something you dream about doing. And now that that you you get to be a part of it and and, and obviously represent your country, it's yeah, it's a it's a huge honor. I don't I don't think there's a bigger honor. Uh, does getting to uh, do this again for the World Juniors kind of feel a bit of uh, unfinished business after last time? Yeah, certainly. And I mean, you know, to get another crack at this is. Uh, is uh, is obviously a real privilege uh you know i think the one is one of the hardest things is is to is to stand on that blue line and watch watch somebody else sing their anthem and 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 hoist their flag and and put on the gold medal you know so i you know i had both feelings from from watching it uh in edmonton and and then getting to do it in in riga latvia but i you know 
we, we, we have another crack at it in Edmonton and hopefully in front of, front of a full building with, you know, with, with 20,000 people behind us. And, and, uh, absolutely. We, uh, we want some redemption. Is, is that part of the messaging as well to the players? Just, a, just an opportunity to, you know, you mentioned redemption specifically there, but, uh, so close to it last time and, and kind of remember that feeling and, and, and have it spur on for you moving forward. Well, I, I think for, for the guys that are coming back, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only staff member from last, last year that is, that is coming back, but, you know, Cole Perfetti, Caden Gooley, uh, and, and obviously Dylan Duran, the returning guys. And hopefully, you know, we, we don't know status with Byfield or, or uh, Drysdale, the guys who, who were there last year, who, who went through it, there, there definitely will be some redemption. Obviously they got to earn their, their, their spots back on the team, but, um, yeah, I, I think with everybody else, it's it's just the opportunity to to, to represent the country. New team, uh, new identity, and new circumstances, and, and but the, the same same pressure and, and and obviously the same opportunity. What dynamics change in in a tournament like this? Obviously, you get some experience with the World Championships and World Juniors, but it's it's so compressed uh, versus the the WHL season. It's it's a bit longer. You get to you know find your paces a bit differently. Uh, how tough is is it to 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 get up to speed in, in a short tournament like this? Well, it's it, it, it's it's compressing what you do in in six months into. You know, six weeks. We have a little more time than six weeks, but but realistically, a summer camp next week, and uh, and obviously an opportunity to you know to to do some evaluating through through the fall here, and then and then realistically two to three weeks to put a team together and and get ready to to, to perform. And I think last year, uh, whether it be the men's worlds or or the world juniors, we were under different circumstances with with you know COVID in the sense we didn't have an exhibition game. We had one exhibition game, sorry, against Russia before we started the tournament. And, and the majority of those guys hadn't played any games up until, up until the tournament started. Uh, the men's world, we were, you know, we were on a plane and, and in quarantine and, and three practices, no exhibition games right into the tournament. So we've, we've got, you know, we're, we're going back to the norm of, of, of having that, that prep time. But I mean, the key to short-term competition is, is to you know performance on demand and, and coming together very quickly because your your margin for error is so slim. I mean you know you can afford to to lose one or two games and and uh, gain an understanding of what the identity of the team is going to be and and there's some patience involved in in the course of a, a long term season. And short with short term uh, you don't you don't have that opportunity. You you know I always liken it to a report card you know we don't expect an a plus every shift but you you can't slide below a b and uh you know, there's just too many good teams too many good players and and obviously everybody gets real motivated to play Canada and usually brings their best uh mike bernstein will be will be going with you and and then you know, there's a player that's been invited to camp justin sort of just the opportunity for him and what you've seen well, for for swords, uh, so well deserved. I mean, he uh, he he was, in my opinion, he was the best player in the BC division in the in the short time that we had our our bowl. He played extremely well through through the course of 22 games consistently. I think I think the best two way player there, and and uh, you know he's, uh, he's he's playing very good hockey right now. He's got a lot of confidence. I think I think Florida got a hell hell of a, a player in the third round and. 
and really looking forward to you know to see how how uh, how he performs in the camp next week. There's going to be lots of real good players, but obviously it's a, it's a very well earned honor for him. He is a head coach of the Vancouver Giants, Michael Dick, and joining the staff for the Canadian Junior Team. Uh, congratulations again, Michael, and we'll uh, see you around in uh, Langley. Great. Thanks very much. It's uh, Michael Dick, again, Vancouver Giants head coach and uh, Team Canada uh, National Junior Assistant Coach as well. Uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, look, a lot of hockey now. Uh, Langley, Abbotsford, Vancouver. A lot of action. A lot of action. Yeah, the Fraser Valley is really uh, becoming a hotbed for hockey, isn't it? Um, and, yeah, it'll, be, it'll really be nice to be able to get to a junior hockey game as well, assuming everything goes according to plan, and, and watch some of those bright young stars uh, in person. And, and that's it's normality a little bit. I, I wonder, you know, Michael talked about how great it was to work for Canada and go over to the Worlds and, and you know, the influx of some uh, – players from the playoffs in the national hockey league helped them get that gold medal, but just kind of that sense of normalcy and being a part of a group and, and doing that. I'm sure he and the rest of the giants organization is really looking forward to getting back at the Langley event center and playing some hockey and, and getting the fans in there and just experiencing all that it is to, to be a junior player, you know, as, as we've seen and talked about it lots about at the pro game, just that normalcy coming back into our lives a little bit. Uh, breaking news. Uh, we finally got the 30th pick, uh, from your neck of the woods, C-Mac. It's, uh, not Troy from Richmond. It's, uh, Dennis from Langley. Uh, Dennis, Dennis Chalowski. Chalowski. Yeah, Chalowski yeah. will be, uh, heading to the Seattle Kraken, uh, the official 30th pick, uh, for the Kraken. So there you go. Now we Interesting. know. Interesting, yeah. Um, my son and Dennis played a lot of hockey together. My 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 son was the anchor on the other side of Dennis through minor hockey. So um, uh, that's that's great to to see Dennis getting an opportunity and a chance. I know he's had a couple cracks at the the National Hockey League, and and you know a lot. I guess not in Quinn Hughes's uh, level just yet, but very offensive minded player. Skates real well. Has incredible uh, skills. Uh, just maybe has to work a little bit more on that defensive game to help him. So getting a fresh start there will, will be good for Dennis, and, and I'm happy for him and his family. It's great for John and Natalie as well and brother Freddie. So, yeah, um, good to see him coming closer to home so that that, that group, hopefully if the border's open, they can go down and watch him play a little bit. This strikes me as a, you know, for what you mentioned, like this is an upside play of a guy who was, uh, I want to say he was 21st overall, somewhere around that range, 20th yeah, overall. Yeah, first-round pick, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like a, a well-thought-of player you know, a few years ago, five years ago, when he went, yeah, 20th overall, um, that you know has skating ability, can move the puck, can shoot the puck, and, and hasn't really put it together yet in Detroit, but now in a new environment, uh, you know, for what you're talking about here, he has had a couple of cracks at the NHL, but we we haven't looked at exactly uh, Detroit as a strong NHL franchise the last couple of years. Uh, so now in this environment, uh, does he get an opportunity to thrive? And you know, if you're if you're Seattle and you want to go for an upside play, I think we'd all sit here and recognize Troy Setcher, more established in NHL or obviously a lot more NHL games, but. You know, part of this exercise is can we tap into something that's, uh, you know, potentially a, you know, point-producing D-man, and 
you can risk a certain amount of willing to be wrong to say hey, it, it was it was a low leverage pick anyways let's just see if we found something with Chalowski. Yeah, and again, sometimes, Bick, you're right, that changes scenery. You know, you see with a Todd Bertuzzi who who bounces around a bit and then finds gold in Vancouver. And in Dennis Chalowski's case, you know, played really well out at Chilliwack um, in the BC Hockey League, skilled, smooth skating, and paired with maybe a really strong defensive defenseman. That just might be the tonic that can really help Dennis thrive and survive. And, and you're, you could be that, that point putting up defensemen that they need because they obviously have some bigger guys at the back end that they've just signed here to kind of anchor the way when it comes on the descent defensive side of the puck. And I imagine a lot of, uh, uh, size of relief for Canucks fans. Uh, I don't know if Canucks fans would have been able to handle. You think they would have been upset if Troy from Richmond ended up down and it became Troy uh, in Seattle? Yeah, man. Troy from Redmond. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of people would have been watching Kraken games thinking, there's Jared McCann, there's Troy Stetcher. Are you kidding me, man? Like, how did this It's interesting, too. Don't forget Haxtell had Stetcher. And, and, you know, we talked to Dixon Ward about the voice, and he would have had a say, I'm guessing. But, yeah, that that might have been just a little bit too much salt in the wound to see Stetcher all those times coming into Vancouver. So it's, uh, yeah, probably a, a sigh of relief for Canucks fans. Don't have to think about that moving forward. We will make way. Uh, we'll, we'll react to the trades tomorrow. We'll see what all the side deals are. And when we come on the air tomorrow at 1 o'clock, the roster freeze will have been lifted at 10 a.m. So we'll see what sort of action is online for Bick and the Boss tomorrow. On the way, the People Show will bring you some of the expansion draft. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll air the broadcast and we'll find out the, uh, the side deals as you do. Uh, coming up next here on Sportsnet 650 with Sat, Dan, and Randeep. NHL draft coverage on Sportsnet 650 brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your local family and employee-owned wholesale distributor with locations across Western Canada. Purchase heating, plumbing, and irrigation supplies online at Sherritt.com. Sat, Dan, Randeep, People Show on the way, Sportsnet 650.